Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Revelation chapter number seven, Revelation chapter seven. There's so much more that I could say, want to say, and um, but I wanna get into God's word. We came here to worship the Lord today. Came here to uh, uh, exalt the Lord. I appreciate you praying for issue one. We uh, spent last, uh, last week, October 10th, praying, and I appreciate all those that did that. And uh, so many, even outside of our church that are praying and the fight is not over yet. We, um, we're still praying. I don't want you to just stop praying. Please be praying and please vote. Please be involved uh, in, uh, in all of those things. Um, and so I pray that you'll be doing that and uh, Lord will give you the right, um, uh, right decision to make in that issue. Um, but uh, we're trusting for the Lord's power in that. Book of Revelation, I said this a couple weeks ago. I don't know if it was um, in our Wednesday study or if it was a Sunday study, but the more I pastor, the older I get, the more I want our church to be biblically literate. You know, you can go to a lot of churches and read a, a verse and, and uh, then just talk about, about things and opinions and politics, and there's so much in that's happening in this world but uh, we come here to, to hear what the Word of God has to say. And not my interpretation of the Word of God. I want you to know what God has for you. My hope and my desire that our church is a biblically literate church, a church where you understand you could take and rightly divide the Word of God. You understand as we take a, a difficult book like the book of Revelation, and you can understand it as we take the time and go through that book. We're coming to chapter number seven this, this may be, I, I see the events that are happening around our world. No, don't, don't, don't take lightly what we're seeing in Israel today. Uh, nothing has to happen. No, nothing has to take place. There, no amount of people need to die. No event needs to take place. No, no war needs to take place for Jesus Christ to come. Jesus could come today. There's nothing, there's nothing in God's word that is preventing Jesus Christ to come. But as we see the events that are happening in the Middle East, uh, right in our generation, we're seeing history unfold. We're seeing biblical prophecy being un, uh, fulfilled. We're seeing, we've seen God judge Israel. And, and history shows us this, that from the times of the Old Testament, Israel was judged and scattered across the nations. And then, and then, Israel was brought back into, it was prophesied that God would gather his people. And when Israel became a nation, that was prophecy being fulfilled. Now, now we're, seeing, we're seeing the nations of the world that are coming against Israel and wanting to destroy Israel. There's a reason, there's a reason why Israel is always a target. You know, Israel is always on the headlines of every major newspaper. You look at just a small amount of people and a small amount of land and all the land and all the amounts of people that's surrounding Israel, and you think, why is there such an attack against Israel? Why was there six million or so uh, Jews killed, 
murdered during World War II. The reason why is because Satan wants to destroy God's chosen people. Israel is still God's chosen people. We, we still stand. The promises from the Old Testament that God gave to Abraham are still true today. Still true. This may be the greatest, the generation that will experience the rapture. This very well may be. And I, and I understand that even the Apostle Paul, back 2,000 years ago, thought he was going to see the Lord Jesus come. The church at Thessalonica, they were anticipating. They were actually getting discouraged because people were dying and they were waiting for the Lord to come back. And, and I realize that every generation anticipates, and, and, and every generation should anticipate the return of the Lord. But I'm seeing some things unfold in our generation, and it seems like the rapture is soon. It seems like the, that trumpet is going to sound. There, there's work for us to do. And so as we get into chapter number 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 in the book of Revelation, what should it do to the Christian? It should motivate us to understand that these events are going to happen in the world, and it ought to cause us to do what we're told to do, occupy till Jesus comes, or work till Jesus comes. Not work for acceptance from God, but work so that the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out so others can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, receive Jesus Christ, and be gloriously saved. That's why the Christian ought to be working, not to please or impress God, because we're servants of God. That's what we're called to do to occupy, to get the gospel out. And so I pray as we're studying the book of Revelation, the first thing that it does to the believer is that it causes you to want to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. I'm, I'm saddened as I see the events that take place in Israel. This morning I was in my office and, and I was just saddened in my heart because some 1,300 or so Israelis and how many Palestinians we don't know that have died over the last several days. And the great majority of those probably did not receive the Messiah as their Savior. And as a Bible-believing Christian, what saddens me is this, that they were sent out into eternity. And if, they're, if they were sent out into eternity without Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are spending eternity in hell. And that ought to affect us. The Christian should not hate anyone so great that we would rejoice when someone dies and spends eternity in hell. It ought to grieve the heart of the Christian. It ought to motivate the, the life of the believer to take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost world. See, the rapture takes place as we see it, as we're studying Revelation, as we're trying to get us to be literate, biblically literate, what the book of Revelation, what the Bible has to say. So we, we study it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we, we study it through the, the church age, chapters number two and three. We get to chapter number four, and what do we understand in chapter number four? We understand the rapture of the church, that the church is going to be taken out of this world. And once chapter number four takes place, we get into chapter number five. And then what do we learn in chapter number five? We learn this, that Jesus Christ, the lamb, is worthy. 
Remember in heaven, John begins to cry. He, he weeps because there is one that holds up that book that says, who is worthy to open these seals? And there was no man worthy. And, and so that means this, those that are in heaven, they're saved. But what about earth? What God created man in his image to worship him and glorify him. What about earth? Is it just judgment? John begins to weep because no one could stand and say, I'm worthy. Why? Because everyone was born, every human being has been born into sin through Adam's seed. And this is why the virgin birth is so important to us as we study our proper theology, our proper doctrine, because Jesus Christ was not born through Adam's seed. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit of God. He was born of a virgin. So he became man, but he was sinless. And so when John heard who was worthy to open those seals and no man above the earth, no man on the earth, no man under the earth could stand and say, I am worthy, he begins to weep. But one of those elders say to John, weep not because the lamb is worthy. And Jesus takes and he opens those seals. And as we see these seals that are opened, we see the tribulation, the great tribulation that takes place in chapter number six. The great tribulation takes place. And so what happens is this, the Antichrist comes into play. We see that first seal where the Antichrist who is coming onto this earth, he's coming as, a, an, 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 as Antichrist. He's coming to proclaim himself as God. He comes on a white horse. He comes pretending to be the Messiah, but his goal is not to save the nations. His goal is to control the nations. We'll see this in time to come. We're going to see more of this, but the Antichrist will bring peace upon the world. As we're seeing all of these events take place, what is happening today? What is happening all around the governments of this world? There's a cry for peace in Israel. Someone, someone is going to come up with a plan. It is going to be the Antichrist. He's going to come up with the plan for peace. He's going to present this plan to the, to the, to the uh, uh, human race and the governments and the kings around this world. And this Antichrist is going to be seen as the, as the great one. He's going to be seen as the Messiah. And even Israel is going to be con uh, deceived and believe this great lie. There'll be peace, but the peace is only going to come for a short period of time. And we saw in chapter number six, each of these seals are being opened, judgment upon the earth. Why? Because Christ is going to buy back what was lost to Satan through sin. The rapture takes place in chapter 4. Jesus is worthy in chapter 5. The tribulation takes place in chapter 6. Then there's a space between chapter uh, number 6 and chapter number 8. There's just a, a place between the sixth seal and the seventh seal. Chapter number 7, there's a space that takes place. And that's what we're going to study here today, chapter number seven. So as chapter six ends, the sixth seal is open, and then there's a pause, and then there's a seventh seal that's open in chapter eight. Chapter seven is going to show us the greatest revival that's ever going to take place on the earth we're going to see in chapter number seven. You say, wait a minute. I thought we're in the middle of the tribulation. We are. The sixth seal is opened in the tribulation, but before the seventh seal is opened, there is a great revival that's going to take place. 
Let, let's read together chapter number seven, verse number one. Chapter seven in verse number one. And after these things, what, what after what things? After the six seals have been opened, after judgment has come upon the earth, after the great tribulation is, is now upon the earth, after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Now, those winds speak of this, speak of danger, speak of disaster. So there's a period of time, there's a period of time the Bible tells us here that the, the, on the four corners, now that's not saying the earth is flat. The four corners of the earth, meaning this, north, south, east, and west. The, 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 the judgment we've seen over the six seals that have been opened, great judgment. Remember, even the, the greatest, from the greatest of men to the richest of men to the chief captains in verse number 15 to the, to the servants, they're, they're crying under the rocks, please fall on us, uh, uh, save us from all of this disaster and destruction upon the earth. And here, for a moment, for a brief moment, these angels are holding back the winds. What does that winds, that, 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 that word wind there, it represents this, it means this, the danger and disaster that's been blowing upon the earth. So for a, for a pause, for a moment, all of the destruction, all of the wrath that's poured upon the earth, all of the dis, uh, disaster is held back for a moment. And I saw another angel descending from the east, having the seals of the living God. He cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, hurt not the earth. Or, see, they're holding back the, 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 the disastrous, the, the pain that's being inflicted upon the earth. He says, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. There's a great revival that's going to take place even during the tribulation. Now, in chapter number four, all the saints before the tribulation are raptured into heaven, but those that are here upon the earth, there are going to be some that are saved. You hear the number of them that which were sealed, and they were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. There's going to be 144,000 Israelites that are going to be saved. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Je uh, Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gab Gad were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Aser were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Nephilim was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manassas were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. Thousand. There's 144,000 Jews that are going to be saved during this time of tribulation. Now, there's something interesting about this. Because we have read, it seems, it seems from the time that God blessed Abraham, Satan has done all he can to destroy the Jews. Wars, murders, why are the Jews so hated upon the earth? 
Because Satan wants to do everything he can to destroy them. I, I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis chapter 12. And I want you to remember a promise that God gave to Abraham. Now, again, there's so much to say, so much for us to understand. The Bible makes so much sense. Some will look at the Bible and not understand and say, boy, it just doesn't make sense. It flows from the beginning to the end. God created man to fellowship with him and man sinned. And because man sinned, back in the, back in the beginning, God said, I'm going to bring a, a Messiah that is going to come and going to pay the sin debt for all mankind. So what? So you can be redeemed back to God. So the story of the Bible is God's redemptive plan for mankind. But what do we find through the generations? We find that the people continue to, to rebel against God. We come to the place where God destroys all of the human race except for, except for Noah and his family through the flood. Why? Because they, they got to the place where all mankind just did continually evil. God said, I've got to deal with this. So he brings this worldwide flood and he cleanses the earth from all of the, the evil sin. Noah, the Bible says, found grace. His family come into that ark, and that's a, it's a picture of salvation. Only one way into the ark, through that door. And, and, and those are going to be saved that are in the ark. They're going to be saved, God's plan, from the destruction that's going to come. Noah comes out, and the Bible says this, that they begin to multiply, replenish the earth. But what do they do? Instead of, once mankind continues to, to grow, what do they do? Instead of instead of bringing glory and worshiping the one true God, what do they say? Mankind says this, we're going to build us a tower to heaven and make a name for ourselves. And God looks down and he says, we, we, have, to, we have to divide this, these into nations, into tongues. Their, their goal is to become like, like God. And he judges the earth. He divides and all the, all the peoples of the earth now begin to speak in a different language and they're divided in the languages. But this is what happens. Instead of turning to God, now in their own languages, they begin to serve other gods. If you study the, the, uh, the histories of this world, you study ancient Egypt, you study the uh, ancient Babylon, you study the, the, the ancient nations, Rome and, and Greece, and you study all of these, what do they do? They worship all gods, the sun god, the moon god. They, they worship all these gods. So what does God do? All of these people have been given over to worshiping other gods. And so how is a Messiah going to come from nations that are worshiping other gods? So what does God do? God calls Abraham. And he says to Abraham, leave Ur the Chaldees and come into this place, into this land. And I am going to give you this land. And through your seed, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. But what was given to that? Serve only the one true God. Now through Abraham's seed, the Israelites are to serve God and God alone, not the gods of this world. 
And through now Abraham's seed, the Messiah is going to come. See, the Bible is all about God's redemptive plan, how to bring to a place where mankind can be forgiven of their sins and come to the presence of a holy God. What does God say to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse number one? He says this, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto the land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. What is this? This is prophecy. Abraham, through your seed, your name's going to be great. And you're going to be a blessing. How is that? Because through your seed, the Messiah is going to come. And from your seed, the Messiah is going to die for all mankind. Not just for the Jews. Not just for the Israelites. But for all the nations that have turned over to sin. Jesus Christ is going to come. And he's going to die so that all the nations of the earth can be redeemed. This is the story of the Bible. And look what he says in verse number three, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. This is why Satan has so diligently tried to destroy the nation of Israel. Because if Satan can destroy the nation of Israel, then this prophecy is not true. And if this prophecy cannot come true, then God is not true. This is why Israel will never completely be destroyed. Why is that? Because God is true. Because God's word is true. So as Satan seeks to do everything he can to destroy God's word and destroy the prophecies of God, God is great and God is mighty and his word is true. And so as the nations of this earth have tried to destroy Israel, as the nations of this earth have tried to murder Israel, as the nations of this earth, even today in our generation, vow to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, it will never happen. Why? Because God's word is true true. Because God said, it's through your seed all the nations are going to be blessed. So God's promise to Abraham. You say, what does that have to do with the book of Revelation? Well, in the book of Revelation, God's promise from Abraham is coming true. Who is it that has saved these 144,000? They're from the nation of Israel. The nations of Israel are going to take, God is going to fulfill this promise here in Revelation chapter 7. 144,000 Israelites are going to be saved. Now there are some religions, and I'm not going to get into all of that today, but there are some religions that are perverting that and saying there's only going to be 144,000 people in heaven, and I'm hoping I'm one of them. That's not true. That's not what the Bible is saying. They're not understanding Scripture. Chapter number 4, all of the saints are in heaven more than they can count. That's you and me that are saved when the rapture takes place. We're in heaven. We're not a part of these 144,000. These are literal Jews that are saved. That are saved during the time of the tribulation. God has not cast away his people Israel. 
There are some that say this, we don't need this, this Israel is not the Israel that God has blessed. It is, these are still God's people. God has not cast away his people Israel. Israel has rejected the Messiah. Israel has rejected God's plan, but God still loves Israel and God is going to redeem Israel. So why 144,000? Remember, remember several weeks ago, we looked at these numbers. Four is the earth number. Three is the divine number. Four times three is 12, and 12 is heaven and earth. Remember, 12 was the governmental number on the earth. So here we find these same numbers here in the Bible, 144. What's 12 times 12? It's 144. 144,000. This is God showing that he is going to fulfill his promise here. Even during the time of tribulation, God is still working to redeem mankind. That verse that says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all to come to repentance is still God working. Verse number three, look what he says here, saying, um, hurt not the earth, neither the the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. This seal, the seal that we're seeing here in chapter 7, verse number 3, that seal that he is speaking of, this seal shows God's ownership. God puts a seal on these people. Now, I'm not sure, and, 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 and I guess we won't know until it actually happens. I'm not sure if this is an actual mark or if it's just a sealing in their minds. I, I, I don't know uh, what this exactly means, but there's some type of seal. God is going to select and seal and put a seal on these people so that Satan cannot stop this from happening. Even while the Antichrist is ruling on this earth, there are going to be 144,000 people that are going to return to God. There's going to be 144,000 Jews that are going to see that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that the Antichrist is a false God, and they're going to turn to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Look with me, if you would, in Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14, verse number 1, we're going to find this same group of people. John says this, and I looked, in verse number 1, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount of Zion. Who's that lamb? That lamb is Jesus Christ, standing on the Mount of Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. These same hundred and forty-four thousand we see later on in Revelation fourteen, and we'll get there in our study, and we'll see what's happening there in Revelation fourteen. But I want you to see that this group of people is a is a select group of people. They have a mark with God's name on their forehead. And what is Satan going to do? Satan is going to come up with his own mark, and we know that as the, the mark of the beast. And so as Satan always tries to counterfeit what God is doing, God's going to give his chosen a mark. And in his mark, his name is going to be written on that mark. Verse number three, not, we see number one is that they're sealed with the name of God. Number two, I want you to see this, that these are servants. He says this again, till we have sealed the servants of our God in the foreheads. The Bible tells us that these 144,000 are going to be servants. What are these servants going to be doing to the, uh, uh, on the earth during the time of this tribulation? They will be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ during the great tribulation. These are servants of God. 
These are the ones that say we will not bow. We will not uh, uh, bow a knee to, to Baal, uh, to, the, to, the, uh, to, to the Antichrist. Just like in the Old Testament when men like Daniel, men like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like people like Esther, just like God has through the generation, he's allowed people to stand against uh, Baal, allowed people to stand against the other gods. He's allowed people to say, I will not bow. I will not bow to those gods. There's going to be 144,000 that will say this, I will not bow to the Antichrist. I will not take his mark. I will not believe that he's God. I will put my faith and trust in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and they will be gloriously saved during this time of tribulation. As these 144,000 are saved, they become servants of God. What are they going to do? They're going to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even in times of judgment, God is seeking to save the lost. You see, so often when we study the book of Revelation, we just study the judgment, the judgment, the judgment. No, I want you to see God in this book. Yes, we see in chapter number six, we see the seals are being opened and we see the judgment. But oh, listen to me. Don't just concentrate on the judgment. Concentrate that even during that time of judgment that God is still seeking souls. He's still desiring that mankind repent of their sin and receive Jesus Christ. Oh, this makes me even appreciate and understand this verse even greater, that God is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. People say, well, why would a good God allow uh, such, such horrific uh, death upon the earth? Why would a good God allow, allow so much destruction upon the earth? Why would a good God allow the tribulation to take place? Well, while a good God is allowing it to take place, he's sending 144,000 to preach repentance through Jesus Christ. This is the God that we serve. We see what's happening today. The lightning rod of the nations today, Israel is that lightning rod. Why is it so important that Israel is destroyed? Because Satan does not want God to be worshipped. He does not, he thinks, he thinks that if by destroying Israel, he can make God's word not true. But God is alive. And God is worthy. And God is mighty. And God will be worshipped. Look with me, if you would, please, in Zechariah, the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter number 12. Zechariah chapter 12, verse number 3. I believe, I believe that Zechariah 12.3 is talking about our generation. I truly believe this. There's a fight for Jerusalem. When King Nebuchadnezzar came in and took and destroyed Jerusalem, he wiped it out, burnt the temple, took the Jews back into Babylon, the, the ten tribes, the northern tribes, they were, they were removed. They were taken, literally the Bible tells us this, those ten tribes were taken and scattered upon the face of the earth. 
they were forced to marry into other nations. Why? Because Satan is doing everything he can to destroy the Jewish race. Then he comes and Babylon comes and takes Jerusalem and Judah and takes it back and destroys the temple, but there's a, a remnant of people. And then we find, we find books like Nehemiah. We find men like Ezra where they come and they're rebuilding Jerusalem and rebuilding that second temple and the Jews begin to worship God again. And then Rome comes in the times of Jesus' days and occupies Israel. And then, and then when Rome comes and, and after the death of Christ, Rome will then come and, and destroy the temple and scatter the people. And from the time, from to, oh, some 2,000 years ago, the Jews were scattered and other nations were occupying Israel and occupying the land while the Jews were scattered. But it wasn't until after World War II that all the Jews began to come back and proclaim that Israel is a, na a nation and a state and, 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 and the world, much of the world now has recognized that Israel is a state, a sovereign nation. That is prophecy being fulfilled. That is God saying, I'm going to gather all the Jews, all the Israelites from across the earth and bring them back. And since that time, there's been battle after battle after battle for the city of Jerusalem. Today, you know what they want? Jerusalem. I visited Jerusalem a couple different times, and Jerusalem is occupied and, 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 and uh, secure from the Israeli forces, except the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is still controlled by the, the Palestinians, by the, by the Islam, but because of the Dome of the Rock sits there. There's a great battle for this. I mean, nations are ready to war over the city Jerusalem. And this is what God says in Zechariah 13, verse number 3. Or I'm sorry, Zechariah 12, verse number 3. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. And the burden themselves will it, uh, with it shall be cut in pieces through all people of the earth be gathered together against it. This past week, there was a worldwide call to rise up against Israel and take back Israel and take back Jerusalem to the Palestinians on the college campuses in our universities, in our country, there were students riding in favor of the Palestinians. In nations of this world, calling for people to rise up against Israel. Happening in our generation. Wanting control of this city, Jerusalem. God says this is what's going to happen. All the people of the earth are going to be gathered together against it. We see this happening. But one thing I will say, you cannot destroy the nation of Israel. Hitler tried, and, and many nations have tried, and the Romans tried, and Babylon tried, and they've all failed. And what stands today is God's people Israel. 
Why? Because of God's word. Because of the promise that God gave to Abraham. Go with me, if you would please, to Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. I want you to see these prophecies that are being told. Pro Jeremiah chapter 31, verse number 35. Jeremiah 31, verse number 35. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day and the ordinance of the moon and the stars for the light by night, which divided the sea when the, great, the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. What is he saying in verse number 35? The Lord is what's keeping all of it in control. What's keeping the waters from flooding the earth? It's God. What's keeping the sun from, from uh, 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 keeping the sun coming up at day and, and keeping the moon coming up? What's keeping the sun in the sky and the moon in the sky? What's keeping the stars where they belong? It's all God. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord. If heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. What is Jeremiah saying here? Jeremiah is saying in verse number 36, if those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel. What's he saying? As long as I am God, as long as I am holding this earth together, as long as I am the one holding the sun in place, the moon in place, the stars in place, as long as I am the one that through my voice is controlling the waves, controlling the seas, then Israel will always stand. This is God's promise. And so I want us to understand this in Revelation chapter 7. This is what we see. We see something that we can apply to our lives today, and that is this. There's no promise too hard for God to keep. There's no promise too hard. Hear me today, Christian Pray for the peace of Israel because we're commanded to. Pray for peace. But don't worry. God is in control. Pray for peace. But there is no promise too hard for him to keep. I saw a picture that someone sent to me, little old Israel, in all of these Arab nations around Israel. And it's almost like Israel's the underdog. And Israel, I don't know if Israel's gonna make it. You mark it down, Israel will stand because God's word will stand. Number two, would you mark this down? There's no person too hard for God to save. There's no promise too hard that God can't keep, and there's no person too hard that God can't save. You say, where do you see that? Look with me in verse number nine of this chapter, chapter nine. For this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, waving these palms, and cried with a loud voice, saying, salvation to our God, which sit up upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the thrones on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be given unto our God forever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, 
What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence, whence came they? He's asking John like John was supposed to know. And John says this, I don't know. Tell me. See, John learned his lesson. Remember when John said, I'm going to weep. There's no one that's going to stand. And that elder said, John, stop crying. Now the elder says to John, what are we going to do? And John's like, I learned my lesson. You know. Tell me. That's what he says here. What happens? Saying, uh, uh, and I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. And he said, these, and, 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 and as you're reading this, it's like the elder says, I know. I just wanted to see if you remembered. He goes on to tell John, these are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. What is, what is happening here? Uh, we're seeing this. John says, who are these multitudes? It's not just 144,000 now. He says it's people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation. It's more than I can count. They're sitting around the throne. They're waving these palm branches. They're singing the mercies of God. Even the angels are looking around saying, what a mighty God we serve. I cannot believe this great salvation that God has given to mankind. And the elder says to John, who are these people? And John says, I don't know. You tell me. And the elder says, I'm glad you asked. This is who it is. These are the ones that were saved during the great tribulation. These are the ones that accepted Christ. Oh, listen to me. Even at a time where the Antichrist is going to come, even at a time where all the mankind is rejecting God, there's still going to be some that have been hardened, that are living through the tribulation. They're still going to accept Jesus Christ as their, as their Savior. Listen to me today. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you are. You are never too far gone for God. Oh, he's a saving God. A great harvest coming to Christ because of these witnesses the church is gone. All their false security is going to be taken away. And there's going to be multitude upon multitude upon multitude that is going to gather around the throne and give praises to the Lord for saving them during this great tribulation. Oh, listen to me, church. We're looking at the wrong thing when we want to see the seals. We need to look to God and say, even during this great tribulation, God is still saving souls. What a mighty God we serve. What a wonderful God. There's coming a day that even the angels will glorify God for the great salvation that has come to mankind. These, in chapter number seven, that we see this in this moment of pause, we see these that will be the ones that do not take the mark of the beast. These are going to be the ones that are going to be beheaded by the Antichrist during the time of tribulation. These are going to be martyrs for preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, I want you to write this down. And oh, this, this has been so good for me. Number three, there's no problem too hard for God to solve. Look what he says. Verse number 15, therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. 
and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They'll hunger no more, neither thirst anymore, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them upon living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. God's going to take every storm of our life. He's going to renew us one day. Listen, he doesn't promise to take the storm away in this life. But he promises to renew you one day in eternity. My heart grieves for the Kaiser family and the Williams family. God, why would you allow this? But there's no problem too great for God. I sat with Alan for hours this past week. God, why would you allow it? Fix it. It may seem right now that your problem is bigger. It may seem right now that the trial you're going through, maybe there's some saying, God, our finances, I'm, I'm looking for a job. I'm, I'm trying to meet these needs, and it just seems like it's too hard. Maybe you're facing some sickness. Maybe you're facing some cancer. Maybe you're facing some illness. Maybe you're facing some heartache, and you're wondering, God, fix this. Why don't you? I've said to God, I remember in 2007 when my dad died, I said, God, I don't understand. Here's a man that's pastoring a church. I don't understand. Why well, take a man that's serving you at 55? There's so many others that have nothing to do with you and want nothing to do with you. Wouldn't they be a better candidate for death? I've looked at my own situation. And I've said, God, I don't understand. I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to be a, a husband that's pleasing to you. I'm trying to raise godly children that have a heart for you. I, I'm trying to pastor a church. I, I'm trying to raise up children through a school that want to serve you. God, I don't understand. And then I come to this verse. There's no problem too hard for God to solve. And this is what God has shown me. This is not God's final plan. Heaven is. 
There's coming a day God will heal every pain. There's coming a day that God is going to wipe away every tear. There's coming a day that God is going to solve every problem. And it might not be in your time. It might not be how you want it to be. But there's coming a day. How do I know it's true? Because God's word back to Gen- in Genesis to Abraham was true. And as much as Satan in this world has tried to stop and prevent God's plan from taking place and have destroyed Israel and tried to destroy Israel, even today threatened to destroy Israel, Israel. Israel will stand. Why will Israel stand? Because God said he'll stand. And if I can believe what God has said and God's promises has never failed, then this promise too I can believe and know that God's promises never fail. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, God said there's coming a day. I will resolve it all. And until then, let's by faith trust him. When you can't see, trust. When life doesn't make sense, put your faith in his word. When you don't know the path, trust the God that is never wrong. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.